Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Budapest, Hungary. What? That's where it takes place. What takes place? Our movie this week. Budapest, Hungary, 1940. Yeah. I believe that was um some... Uh... Hot times. Hot times hot in times. the old city. Hot I times believe. in Budapest. I believe so. Yes. <clears throat> 1940, the shop around the corner. Mm-hmm. And as you said last week, it is the precursor to You've Got Mail. Correct. And a bunch of other things that we'll get into later. But before we get into it, I want to say I re-listened, because I always do for quality control. Oh, interesting. To last week's uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and I feel like, Erin, you had some excellent valid points to make. Oh, thank you. I was listening and thinking, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. So well done. And if you haven't heard, you better go back and listen because it's looking at To Kill a Mockingbird through a 2018 lens. I mean, it's still a great movie. It's it's just important. I think with all of these movies, you're going to find things of, you know, it doesn't mean you cancel the movie, but you just no, have, you don't. have to look at it. Like this movie, spoiler alert, there's no one of color in it. Budapest. Hungary, nineteen forty. Not at all. We Not do have all. we do have some Jewish people. We do, and we were happy to see them because I don't think they were around much longer. Yeah, I think uh, I was going. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you and your wife and baby <laughs> might want to get your things together. Uh, you and might want to be leaving town while you still can. Time for you to skip on out of town, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's about to get hot. The well, it starts, it's a black and white. Did I mention that? Black and white film. And it starts with um, a little storyboard. What is that called? You've told me before. I didn't write I don't know, but you're just, um, we're not going to do the particulars? <gasps> Again, <laughs> because, okay, I'm not going to, yes, go. All right, so the particulars. <laughs> the Shop Around the Corner, 1940, directed by one of my favorite directors, Ernst Lubitsch. He's German-American. He's known for his urbane comedy of manners. He directed 44 features and 22 short films. Among them are Nicochita, Nicochica. We're going to have to do that. I know. Because I don't know anything about it, and I just keep hearing about it. To be or not to be, which we're going to have to do as well. And Heaven Can Wait. Oh. This, what, go ahead. A precursor to the... I think so. I okay. don't think Warren Beatty was in this one. Okay. Um. He also produced it. The screenplay is by Samson Raphaelson. He also did Trouble in Paradise, Heaven Can Wait, and Suspicion. Alfred Hitchcock's suspicion and an uncredited screenwriting credit, which doesn't make any sense. I'll guess I'll say an uncredited by way of Wikipedia 
screen credit for Ben Hecht, who also wrote the play, The Front Page. Um, Scarface, a little movie you may have heard of. The original, obviously. Gunga Din. This guy did a whole bunch of stuff. And then he also is uncredited on these movies. And I'm like, how did they know that he was uncredited and he worked on them? From letters. People found his letters and they were able to say like, oh, he uncredited worked on Gone with the Wind. His Girl Friday, which was the second remake of his play that he wrote, The Front Page. Mutiny on the Bounty. And this movie. This is based on the play Parfumaire. 1937 by Miklos Laszlo. The music is by Werner R. Heyman. Or probably Heyman. He was nominated for four Academy Awards in the early 1940s. So, I mean, that's boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. He scored five Lubitsch films and two Preston Sturges films. Hello. The director of photography is William H. Daniels. He was also known as Greta Garbo's personal lensman. He oh. also did The Naked City. I believe he won an Oscar for that. Grand Hotel, Dinner at Eight, which we did. Anna Karenia. Nikochika, uh. Harvey, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, <laughs> the original Ocean's Eleven. It was a fun movie. So this guy, he's done some work. Starring Margaret Sullivan. She only did 16 movies. She mostly did stage production. Yeah, she's not somebody you recognize and go, oh, that's Margaret Sullivan. Yeah. Um, she did Only Yesterday, Three Comrades, and The Mortal Storm. Um, we have Frank Morgan, who he did. He was in Mo- The Mortal Storm, The Human Comedy, and, oh, I don't know, just The Wizard, the Wizard from The Oz? Wizard of Oz. Because he was the man behind the curtain. And then Joseph Schildelkraut, he was Otto Frank in the Diary of Anne Frank. And lest we not forget, one of the great movie stars, Jimmy James Stewart. Yeah. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Philadelphia Story, It's a Wonderful Life. People, you know who James Stewart is. Well, I, 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 I bet they do. (laughs) There are the particulars. And the and this movie is known for its dialogue. Mm. Well, this it, movie is known for its Lubitsch touch. That's a thing. I learned about it in school. And is that the dialogue? Well, the Lubitsch touch has to do with his movies. See, his his films take place neither does this film it takes place it says in Budapest, right? But it's really right. not Budapest. So all of his films take place neither in America nor in Europe. They take yeah, it place could have been any city USA, but any they, city um, uh, worldwide. Right. Specifically, though, they take place in Lubitsch Land. This is a place he's known for. It's the sophisticated humor, 
combined with inspired staging that economically presents a visual synopsis of the storyline, scenes, and characters. Now, if I may, for a moment, because I, you all know how much I love Billy Wilder. And when I was looking up Blue Bitch Touch online, I came across a brilliant, beautiful three-minute clip of Billy Wilder explaining what the Lubitsch Touch is. And he does really? it in a story. And I would like to tell it to you now, if you don't Please. mind. Gather around close to the campfire. So, the Lubitsch Touch. Basically, Billy Wilder, he's sitting. It's like inside the actor's studio, but it's not. But just imagine that. And he says, okay. all right, the Lubitsch Touch. If I tell everybody you have... These three characters, you have a king, you have a queen, and you have like a, a lieutenant. And imagine the lieutenant. So he uses different example. I'm going to use the examples of King Arthur, um, the queen, Guinevere. Guinevere, and Lancelot. So, okay. you know, the young strapping, blah, blah, blah. Now, you need to write a scene where the king finds out that his wife and the lieutenant are having an affair and mm -hmm. they all go back and they all come in and they're all going to have these different um, ways that it gets revealed. But Billy Wilder says there's only one way and Lubitsch would come up with the best, funniest way he would do it. And so I think this is one of, one of his movies. So it starts out the film, you have the king and the queen, they're together in the bedroom and I think like I think they're fine like they they're not arguing or anything and the king leaves and he walks down these these like long stairs and he sees the lieutenant and the lieutenant's kind of like you know he, he's like oh you know how you do but he's got a little bit of pep to his step and I believe that once the king the lieutenant goes into the queen's bedroom and you never go inside the bedroom you stay outside and the king walks down and then he he remembers something. He forgot something. So he goes back into the room and you, the camera stays on the outside. You don't go into the bedroom and you, you know, you can't see this. So as the audience, you're like, Oh man, what's going to happen? And the, and the King comes back out and he's got his belt and his sword and he goes to put his belt on and his belt is way too small. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's not his belt. <gasps> so then when he realized, then he's like, this isn't my belt. So he goes back in and he finds Lancelot under the bed. And so there you have the Lubitsch touch. It's like yeah. a visual and it was funny and it conveys everything and it doesn't, the audience is kind of in on it and it has to do a lot with point of view and that kind of thing. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay, well, we start our story in front of Matt Tushek's and Company store. Oh, yeah, Mr. Machusek, I think, because Machusek. they kept saying it. And um, there's a man there and a boy talking about the store, and James Stewart comes up, and then two women come up. So what's happening is, I didn't realize it for a while, but they're waiting for Mr. Matuchek to come to open the store so they can get into work. Right. Now, I'm watching this. I know that You've Got Mail is based on this. And it's been a while since I've seen you Got Mail. But I'm like, isn't You Got Mail the one where she has a bookstore, which is the bookstore is called The Shop Around the Corner. And mm -hmm. then he has like an Amazon type of thing, mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble place. 
And so then, so I'm at the very beginning of this, I'm thinking, oh, this is Jimmy Stewart's shop. And then it quickly, I'm like, no, this is, this isn't what they based that part of it on. I know. Cause I kept going, okay, so is this the big store? And then <laughs> yeah. the girl is going to have a little store. That's exactly what or I was is doing. this a little store and there's going to be a department store around the corner, but that didn't happen at all. Right. But it, it's delightful anyway. And so then somebody says something about, oh, Mr. Kralik, who is Jimmy Stewart, you had dinner with the boss last night. How did that go? And everybody else is jealous, you know. And so um, then Mr. M comes and I said, he's the Wizard of Oz. And he's checking the window and he opens the store. And Jimmy Stewart is reading a letter from a woman. And his good friend, who is a Jewish gentleman, um, he is Mr. Uh, it starts with a P. Yeah. They were hard names, people. It they're, was hungry. They're Hungarian names. Exactly. He reminded me, I had to do a double check because I was, is, I was like, is that Groucho Marx? Because he uh, reminded me of Groucho Marx. Well, he had a huge mustache. Yeah. And he did have the round glasses. Yeah, and kind of like the eyes and stuff. And kind of his, sometimes, like the way he would say things. I was like, "Is no, it's not, is it? No. no it was not. But um, Jimmy Stewart is reading a letter because um, some a woman put an ad in a paper. It was a modern girl who wishes to correspond on cult- cultural events with uh, an anonymous man. What could so, go wrong? Right, exactly. Um, and so they've exchanged four letters so far, and Jimmy Stewart is smitten, and it appears the girl is smitten as well. Well, <clears throat> Mr. M, I'm going to call him that because it's so much e- easier. He wants to buy these uh, cheap cigar boxes, and uh, and they play music every time you open them. And Jimmy Stewart says, no, you don't want to buy those. They're cheaply made. And every time somebody wants a cigar, he has to listen to that music. That's going to get really old. And you really don't want to do this. And so it's obvious Jimmy Stewart is the brains behind the business. Mm -hmm. At this point, um, well, Jimmy Stewart says no. And everybody else, when when Mr. M says, I want your honest opinion, it just moves out of the way because they don't want to make Mr. M mad. Oh, that's a reoccurring role with Mr. P is. Mr. P, It yeah, always yeah, cut yeah. to him and it'll say whenever they hear that Mr. M goes, um, I, I need your honest opinion. Whatever Mr. P is doing, he turns right around and hightails it out of there. So he exactly. wants no part of giving an honest opinion. So um, a young girl comes in and she wants to see Mr. M and Jimmy Stewart says he's busy right now. He can't, but I can help you. I can help you with anything. He starts to, to be a salesman in the store selling everything. And what happens is she actually wants a job. And so there's a lot of dialogue and it's all good dialogue, but I didn't write it all down. (laughs) Thank you. It is. It's worth watching. It's a holiday movie, people. Get in it the is. It's a fun movie. It's a lighthearted movie. There are no Nazis yet. 99 it's... minutes long. Yeah, it was It was fun. 
and you know, you're all going to be out shopping. You wish that you could have a store like this you could go into because it's not really crowded. He does have a lot of employees for a small store that doesn't get a lot of business. And that's what that's what they end up telling the girl. We just, we can't hire somebody else right now. But then her name is Clara Novak. And uh, um, she actually ends up almost selling one of the cigar boxes to somebody. And she kind of intrigues Mr. M. Not in that way. In a nice girl way of, yes, yeah, she's working hard. Um, in a nice movie romantic comedy way that, you know. Of 1940. In a nice Lubitsch way. <clears throat> so um, she leaves her address. And I thought at the time, she's leaving her. Oh, that is that a spoiler? Everybody knows, obviously, this is the girl who is corresponding with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and I thought when she left her address, he would go, what, 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 what? No, because they were corresponding via post office box. Exactly. Like, even back in 1940 Budapest, this woman still knew not to give her address out in a wanted, basically, because it's a wanted ad, basically. She's yeah. like, yeah, we'll correspond via a post office box so your crazy ass won't be stalking me. Yes. Good on you, gal. So, don't get killed. So Stay Mr. sexy and don't get murdered. Don't get murdered. Mr. M calls Jimmy Stewart into his um, into his office and Mr. M is saying, you you always say no. Whenever I want something, you always say no. And Jimmy Stewart's like, well, well, then I'll always say yes. So then they were discussing last night's dinner, and Mr. M was saying how much his wife had enjoyed Jimmy Stewart being at dinner that night. And by this time, he's mentioned it more than a few times where you kind of get the suspicion, like, is this guy suspicious of jimmy stewart and his wife because we came up so yeah, many times and we've never met the wife and we're like why is he keep bringing it up and stuff what's what's going on with this guy well the girl has not left the store she opens one of the cigar boxes <clears throat> and mr m says to her would you like a box like this and she says well i think it's romantic and Mr. M goes, see, I, I needed a woman's point of view um, at 420. And, and so then she is saying, wow, you want to charge 425? I think that's a real bargain for this. So there's another woman there who's, who is looking at it. Now, that Clara wants to show she, what a good salesperson she is. No, she's so trying she's, to get a job. She's getting her hustle on. She is. And so she says to the woman, oh, this... It doesn't have to be a cigar box. It could be a candy box. Now, this woman is, um, let's say, a sturdy woman. Yes, she is, um, I would say, uh, like just a regular woman or a little yes. bit older. She's not Hollywoody. No. You know, she's, yeah. Probably she size 16. Sturdy woman. Yeah, she's a she's a, a salt of the earth woman. Matronly. 
Yeah, she is a, she is a bit more rich for matronly. Oh yeah, like, well, matronly as far as age. Oh yeah, and and so the young girl is going. You know, we just eat candy and we don't even pay attention to how many pieces we eat. So this one, you open it up, and every time you hear that little song, it reminds you, oh, I'm eating another piece of candy. So that can kind of help you monitor how many pieces of candy you're eating. At which point I said, no, thank you. At which point I said, this is the 1940s. Maybe this is going to sound like modern bias, but I was under the impression that in 1940, like a piece of candy was special and like yeah. it was a big deal. And this, these pe this woman is just eating candy like it's just candy. Well, you said she was upper class. Ah, see, there you have it. So she was rich and highfalutin because I was like, man, I thought like you got a piece of candy for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, you were lucky to get an orange in your stocking. Yeah, that that's like, so the candy, uh, then to be able to have enough candy to fill a cigar box. Jeez. So Mr. M was selling them for four something, four something, not dollars, whatever the Hungarians used. And she said, I'll sell it to you for five twenty, And it sold. So she's like, see what I can do. <clears throat> So she is hired, and the next morning there's a sign in the window that these boxes are down to two twenty nine, so they are not selling. Just yeah. like Jimmy Stewart said they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. At this point, I wrote lots of dialogue. It's all good dialogue. It's you know, it's all good dialogue. There's just a lot of it. So Jimmy Stewart it has decided he's going to go in and he's going to ask for a raise because he's been talking to Mr. P, our lovely Jewish man, and Mr. P has a wife and a, and a child, as Aaron aforementioned. Mm -hmm. He needs to get out of town, mm -hmm. but he doesn't know that in yet. Order. And Jimmy Stewart is going, you know, if something goes with this, my pen pal, I might be having a wife soon. And then I'm going to need more money to be able to support her. So I'm going to go into Mr. M and I'm going to make my case for a raise today. Well, um, so Jimmy Stewart and Clara are waiting for the store to open. And Jimmy Stewart starts talking to her about the blouse she wore the day before. Ah, yes. At first you think, Lubitsch touch alert. He goes, oh, you're wearing this. It was like a green blouse with like. With yellow dots. With yellow dots. And you think, oh, well, he's going to, you know, like it and stuff. And she's very feisty. She's a feisty she's girl, a, she's which a, makes this fun. Yeah, she's got, she's, you know, she's got a chip on her shoulder and stuff. And she didn't, she and, uh. Jimmy Stewart didn't get off on the right foot. And so they kind of have this uh, adversarial relationship. And as soon as she, he, Jimmy Stewart mentions the blouse to her, she instantly gets defensive. And so as you're, you're watching and you're thinking like, Oh, why are you getting so defensive? He's probably going to compliment you on it. And she's like, you don't, you can't tell me what to wear and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, relax. I'm, I, it was just, and then you find out that it was the boss didn't like it and doesn't want her to wear it again. 
And he's making Jimmy Stewart deal with it. And yeah. Jimmy Stewart doesn't care. And I was like, damn, it was a blouse. It was a blouse and it wasn't revealing or anything. Yeah. It was just ugly, apparently. Well, and she was talking to the other two women clerks who work there. And she was saying, I'm going to meet my letter writer tonight. And I was thinking of wearing that blouse. Mm -hmm. And they're going, yeah, it was adorable. You need to wear it. Yeah. And she was like, see, I thought I knew that it was a, a nice blouse. Well, Jimmy Stewart is also talking about how he's going to meet his his pen pal tonight. And he's going to know her because she's going to have a red carnation and and a book of Anna Karenia. And he's going to have a red carnation in his lapel. But he's a little nervous that he's going to be disappointed by the girl or he's going to disappoint the girl. Yes. So he's got the first meeting jitters. Okay, well, one of the, um, then there's this other clerk who is um, a dandy guy. Oh, yeah, he came in the first time that we see him, or like in the scene previous, but the first time we're introduced to this guy, he came out looking like he was in, oh, like, who was that? What's that musical from the 60s? The Music Man or something. He had like mm -hmm. a candy stripe jacket on and a straw hat and a cane. And I was like, where's this guy off to? Yeah, you said dandy. Well, I said dandy because of his attire. Uh, as far as he see he he seemed 1940 Budapest fabulous. And he puts all everything into his appearance it's all about his appearance because this day he arrives with a driver a yeah. dr he gets out of a, a driver driven car and he has fur on his lapels and on his cuffs and he's got a wad of cash and he's saying how he had a lovely night the night before so you're just assuming maybe he was a kept man um but yeah, it's all about appearances with him. Okay, so that was important because there was a reason. Mr. M arrives and he looks at the window. Yesterday he looked at the window and he said, who did this window? And Mr. P said, I did. And he said, well, it looks good. Well, today he says, this window looks terrible. Everybody's staying after work tonight. We've got to fix it because it's, it's not okay. It's the window that has all of the cigar boxes that he bought because he bought thinking that everybody was going to, this was going to be the, the Budapest gift of Christmas were these musical cigar boxes. And so now they're in the window all stacked up talking about how, you know, was $5. Now it's like $2. A steal. Yeah. And so he's just like, what is, this is ugly. What is this? So this guy's got, you can just tell that he's got a lot on his mind. He makes bad decisions. And he blames other people for them. So he says, you know what? Everybody's staying tonight because we have to do, redo this window. And, exactly. of course, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Clara Clara are, they're both like, what? I can't stay tonight. What the hell? I got a I date. I to meet my future husband wife. Yeah. Well, he goes into his office, and Mr. M, and he gets a call from his wife. Who needs money? 
Yeah, and you can tell that he's like, what? You need all that money? I just gave you money. I gave you money earlier in the week. And then I was like, oh. Not me. I was still oblivious. I was because I thought for sure that that guy would not have been barking up that tree, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So I was like, oh. The dandy comment earlier, but we were wrong. I guess he's not Budapest fabulous. Yeah, well, I only knew that she needed more money, and Mr. M is worried because uh, I just felt like he's worried because it's like things aren't selling as well as he needs them to this holiday season. Yeah, and also it just sounds like she's doing nothing and she's burning through money. Yeah. Like, you know. He can be, you can be successful and have a nice thing, but if you're out spending what you're bringing in, that's not going to work. And that, the look on his face to me meant she was out spending what he's bringing in. And the look on his face also, I took to me, there's trouble here. I just thought it was financial, but you're right. I did. You're more perceptive than I. Because he had been already asking all these, like, basically leading the audience to insinuate that, um, what's his face? Jimmy Stewart. That Jimmy Stewart was flirting with his wife. Yeah. So. That's true. You're just like, oh, and I pieced it together. Okay, well, and he came in in a really bad mood. Okay, so Jimmy Stewart comes in because he's going to ask for this raise, and um, he goes, by the way, you know, you've you've had an attitude toward me for a while now. You know, what's changed? And Mr. M goes, you get paid every week, don't you? Well, then everything's okay. Yeah. So Jimmy leaves. He doesn't even talk about the raise. He goes out, and he's saying, you know, he's always picking on me. Um everybody's worried about Mr. M at this point. Well, Jimmy Stewart and Clara are working together and she's saying how much she appreciates Jimmy Stewart. Uh, What a gentleman he is because when he says, come back in the stock room with me, he just wants her to do something in the stock room, not related to sexuality. And she's not used to that. Look at 1940 hashtag me too. Unbelievable. And so um, she's saying, you know, that blouse was awful. Um, and so they have they have this long dialogue where where she's actually being nice to him, and she's saying that she has a date tonight, so um, she's going to ask Mr. M if she could possibly leave a little early, and um, and so Jimmy Stewart's like, oh, that's why you're being nice to me because you need the night off. Well, I look it right here. I see right through you. That's why you're being so nice to me. You you right. think I'm some 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 sort of a fool. And she says, You're so mean. You're like a dictator. And um she goes, uh, um, I don't like you. So Clara asks if she can get the night off and um and then to mr m and then jimmy stewart says yeah me too me too and so then it's like okay nobody gets the evening off because i need everybody's help who do you think you are here 
So there's a whole lot of dialogue going on here. At which point I had to pause the movie and go back to the credits to get the names of these people. So our van, our dandy <laughs> dude's name is Vadis. Ah. Our Mr. P is Perovich. Ah. So we're going to be calling him Mr. P the rest of the movie. And, um, and our dandy is Vadis. Or okay. I kind of like dandy. Okay. Dandy. Well, he's dandy then. He's the dandy. And um, so they have, Clara and Jimmy Stewart have a huge blow up. Well, then Mrs. M is on the phone and she wants the money. The money hasn't been delivered to her. And um, Pepe, the young boy who's their delivery boy, is out on another delivery. So Dandy says to Mr. M, oh, I'll deliver the money. I can do that. It's on my way home. Still, I am not seeing this. I did. By the way, Pepe is great. I love the character of Pepe. He was adorable. The boy. He's like fast talking. I, I wanted the Pepe Chronicles, honestly. He's a smooth talker. Had my favorite line in the film. Have we gotten to it yet? Not yet. Okay, be sure and say it when we do. I will. Okay, so the store is closing. Jimmy Stewart and Clara are decorating a little Christmas tree in the window. Jimmy Stewart goes to the office. And he's talking to Mr. M. And Mr. M is going, you know, I've thought about our conversation earlier. And I, I, believe, I believe you would be happier somewhere else. I'll give you a month's pay. And I'll have you sign this receipt. And I'll give you a letter of reference. And I guess this is goodbye. Well, 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 Jimmy Stewart didn't see that coming. So he comes out and he reads, reads his letter of reference aloud to everybody. And he goes to clean out his locker. And at this point, Dandy comes in. And no, I think Mr. P came in. Because at this point, I was getting P and V confused. <laughs> Because uh, Mr. Per Perovich is saying, um, well, you're, you still are going to go meet your girlfriend tonight, right? And Jimmy Stewart's going, no, I'm, you know, I, before I had a future, now I have absolutely no future. I can't go meet somebody like this. Well, how am I supposed to go meet a young lady and I don't have a job, Pete Petrovich? So they say their goodbyes. Jimmy Stewart makes a big deal out of leaving his um, Trotskyfsh notebook, pencils, and key <laughs> in the locker room. Man, we are butchering these Hungarian names. We are. We are. So then there's a phone call. Mr. M is waiting for someone. Uh, oh, Mr. M is waiting for someone. He sends everybody home early. Even mm -hmm. though they were going to stay late. So someone's coming over. We don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. Well, Clara runs because she's going to meet her date. And Mr. Perovich, he's going to, to see Jimmy Stewart because he knows Jimmy's in a bad way. And, and he, he really wants Jimmy to, to meet this girl. Um, and, but he says on the way out, Mr. M, Jimmy Stewart was the best man you ever had here. And I don't know why you let him go. 
And Mr. M goes, Mr. P, you want to keep your job here? Mm-hmm. Shut up and leave. Mm-hmm. So he does. Well, it turns out that it was a private investigator. Magnum P.I. Budapest. But wait, wait, wait. Before. Okay, rewind. Mm-hmm. Back. Before everybody leaves the store, Dandy is buttering up Mr. M, like trying to get an invitation to dinner. Ah. And he said, hey, Mr. M, when I delivered that money to your wife, I noticed that brand new dining room set. Man, I'll bet it's great to have a dinner in there on that new dining room set. And Mr. M is like. And also to rewind further, when Dandy got out of that car and was paying with the wads of money, he went over and he was flashing this new pinky ring that he said, who did he say gave it to him? Some I like don't know, but it was a diamond. Admirer. Yeah, and, and everybody was kind of like, what? Yeah, and then What's-His-Face gets the call from his wife saying that he she needs more money. Yeah. And they're just like, what? Okay, go I ahead. didn't read those clues. I did. I was just watching my little rom-com in a, in a happy place. Total oblivion. Well, there's a knock on the door. Dandy leaves. There's a knock on the door. Mr. M unlocks the door. It's a P.I. And a P.I. has been tailing Mrs. M. And Mr. M just knows that he's going to hear that it's Jimmy Stewart who is having an affair with his wife. Mm-hmm. But no. What? It's the as you have now guessed from Aaron's clues. The dandy. The dandy. What? I, 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 and, and Mr. M is just, we've been married for 22 years. Oh, he's devastated by this news. So he's in the back room talking to the PI. Peppy comes in from his deliveries and he answers the phone. And it's Mrs. M. He pretends like it's not Peppy. It's a different clerk because he doesn't want to go do anything else for Mrs. M tonight. Mm -hmm. So um, he goes into the office and what happened here? Well, we don't see it, but we just hear Peppy goes into the office and we just hear Peppy yell and go, no, Mr. M, don't do it. And then we hear a scuffle and then we hear a gunshot go off. And the gunshot hits like a lamp in the outside of the hallway. And Peppy's just like, what were you thinking? And then the next scene. Oh, I don't know what the next scene is. Next scene is is a totally different oh, place. okay. But Peppy stopped Mr. M from killing himself. Yeah, Mr. M was about to bite the bullet. Dang. Well, the next scene is Mr. P and Jimmy Stewart. And they're meeting up outside of wherever they were gonna, Jimmy was gonna meet the girl, a little it's like, cafe. It's like a Budapest cafe. They're, they got live music. It's like a cello guy, you know. So Jimmy Stewart says, Mr. P, go in there, look for the girl with the Anna Karenia with a carnation, and come back and tell me what she looks like. Uh, you know, is she gonna be too pretty for me? Is she gonna be too plain for me? And I went, Really? Too pretty? Come on, Jimmy Stewart. You too know plain? that you just but wanted too... he just wanted to know if he was a great big woman. 
Yeah. How rude. Yeah. You've been having this relationship via pen and paper. Go meet her. But he, yeah, but also he doesn't have a job. So he's not exactly feeling great about himself at the moment. So Mr. P says, well, I can't see her face. I can only see her from the back, but she, she looks very pretty. She has the coloring of Clara. She's a good looking girl. Um, but if you don't like Clara, you won't like this girl because it is Clara. What, 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 what do you mean? And so he's like, and, and Mr. P goes, you're going to make that poor girl wait? And so uh, Mr. P leaves. He's done what he can do. And um, a waiter is telling Clara, you know, you know, I know what's happening here. I see the flower. I want you to know that um, last week there was a guy in here and um, he threw his flower on the floor once he saw the girl and he just left. Hmm. So she's feeling kind of bad. Damn. Well, Jimmy Stewart's looking in the window. He comes in and he goes over to his table. Now, he has the total upper hand because he knows she is his pen pal mm -hmm. but she doesn't know he is her pen pal right and so it's a do you mind if i sit down yes and then there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of things you don't know about me we don't know about each other so they start putting each other down so then he goes and sits at the next table opposite her mm -hmm. and there's more dialogue and um Cause she's she doesn't want him to sit down because she's like, hey, hey, my my guys come in. I don't want you can't be sitting here. What will he think of me? Get out of here, skedaddle, scram. And he knows that the guy isn't coming because he is the guy. So he sits down and and so then like yeah, they're sitting like next to each other, but not at the same table. And so he's going, you know, you were you were really nice to me. Um, in the storeroom and she goes that's before you made fun of me in the locker room and um, oh she says that he has bow legs and that he has to get his pants tailored at a special tailor and he gets so mad at that he gets he stands up and he's like well now look here i've never been to a tailor in my life and and he's like, I will go out and I will go outside and show and lift up my trousers and show you my legs. And then he's like, well, I don't and I don't talk about how red your hands are. She's like, what do you mean how red my hands are? Which I thought was a hilarious put down for somebody to say that they have red hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, you know, you're you're old and you're you're cold and snippy like an old man i could show you letters that would open your eyes about me and somebody and she goes you think i'm just an insignificant clerk and goodbye well the next scene is the hospital mr m is in the hospital because you know he tried to kill himself and so jane jimmy stewart arrives no you're you missed my favorite line Oh, okay. It's so you see when they come out, it's um, it's Pepe talking to the doctor, and Pepe's like, "All right, so um, you know what is it, doc? Is it? I got the feeling that it was psychological, and so then the doc gives like you know, 
classic mumbo jumbo psychosis speech. The, all these big words strung together. And it's obvious that Pepe doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, I see, I see. And the doctor looks at him. He's like, um, young man, what is, what is your relation to Mr. Malashek? And he's like, oh, well, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a connector. I connect the goods to the people. And the doctor's like, oh, you're the delivery boy. And then Pepe says, doctor, do I call you a pill, pill peddler? <laughs> I was like, yeah, damn, Pepe got him. Pepe. That's right. Okay, so Jimmy goes in um, and Mr. M is saying, you know, I, I was thinking maybe by Christmas I'd make you manager of the shop. Um, I hated you and because of jealousy, there was an anonymous letter. My wife was having secret rendezvous with an employee. I had no idea it wasn't you. But um, I'm going to give you the keys to the shop and can get, can you get rid of the dandy boy, please? Mm -hmm. But, and he says like, do it in a, a very discreet way. Yeah. Cause he doesn't want everybody in the mm -hmm. shop to know. And um, at this point, Pepe has made himself a clerk. Well, no. Pepe went in and talked to, um, to Mal Malachek. And he says, because Malachek was like, oh, thank you. And he was so grateful to him. And he was like, yeah, yeah can, can I be a clerk? And he was like, well, let me think about it. And he's like, if I let you think about it, you're going to change your mind. Like you always do. And then Pepe gets in with something. Well, it was kind of like, you know, I saved your life, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be a clerk, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so then Malachek's like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you'll yeah, be a clerk. Yeah. yeah, you got me. So the next day, everybody's happy at the store because Jimmy Stewart's the boss and Malachek's going to be okay. And Dandy Boy is talking. And so Jimmy Stewart goes, let's go in the stock room. And... Well, he tells, the, he tells Dandy, he's like, all right, you know, the black suitcases are on the top. He's like, yeah. You know, the brown suitcases on the bottom. He's like, yeah. I want you to take all the brown suitcases on the bottom and put them on top. And all the black suitcases are on the top. And I want you to put them on the bottom. And he, he's like, you know, he's just messing with the guy at this point. And Dandy's like, well, but he's like, uh, do you not want to do that? And he's like, oh, no, I'll do it. So then he like leaves him, and I thought it was odd because I was like, "Why isn't? Why didn't he fire him?" I know. Just fire his ass. Well, Clara is looking at one of the scar boxes, thinking she's going to get one of those for her new boyfriend for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Stewart is saying, "You know, you know, maybe a maybe a wallet would be a better idea because." Because on one side, you could put your picture, and on the other side, uh, your boyfriend could keep his letter from you. She's going, I don't know. I kind of like the cigar box. And Jimmy Stewart's like, no, no, no. The, the, the letter, it's so romantic. And we have these <laughs> nice wallets, the imported pigskin. They're beautiful. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart really doesn't want that cigar box. <laughs> he hates it. Okay, the next day, Rudy, the new delivery boy, shows up. 
It's oh. Christmassy. Well, there's also a great scene where, where Pepe comes in, and this is how it's revealed that he's a clerk. He comes in, goes straight to the phone, calls up the employment agency, and says that they need to send over new delivery boys. They must be from a good family with no bad habits. Send over four or five. And and he gives his name and stuff in the, the shop department or whatever. And he hangs it up, and everybody's looks at him and they're like what you ain't never seen a clerk before and they're like since when are you a clerk and he's like malachek made me a clerk ha right now yeah okay jimmy stewart comes in says great news mr m is better uh there was a there it's an empty shop the full it's an empty shop we need a full cash register tonight no they need a an yeah they need an empty shop and a full cash register because okay. it's Christmas Eve. So Mr. P says to Clara, I wanted to buy the cigar box, but you took the only one that really works. And um, and Clara goes, well, I bought it for my boyfriend. If I have to give him, give a well, present yeah. to him something he, oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. P says he has to give a present to who is it? His it's brother-in-law? His, yeah, it's his brother-in-law. And he doesn't like his brother-in-law. So there's the cigar box. It's hideous. And he's like, it is a little bit expensive, but it's the such a horrible present <laughs> that the look on his face when he gives this guy this horrible gift is well worth the price. So he was like pretty bummed out that she bought the last, the well, it wasn't the last one. The it only, was the one, only that one that works. Yeah, the only one that works. And so then she just feels real bad because she's just like, man, it's that bad of a gift that he wants to buy it for the, his brother-in-law because it's horrible? Jeez. And then Mr. P goes, but you could get your boyfriend a wallet. It's great for keeping a picture on one side and a letter on the other. Well, no, because and then he pulls out his wallet and he's like, see, here I have my wife. Here I have my kid. I open it up. It's like, papa. He's like, it's so romantic. <laughs> so it's snowing and the store is swamped. And you see Mr. M in the window. Well, it's the end of the night. It is their biggest day of sales since 28. And you know that's before the stock market crashed. Yeah. So Mr. M is talking to the staff uh, and he's giving them all bonuses uh, he's telling him to go home and have a Merry Christmas. Uh, he invites Jimmy Stewart to dinner. And Jimmy Stewart says, I have another engagement. So Mr. M really has no place to go because he's obviously separated from his wife at this point. Mm -hmm. He was asking Jimmy Stewart to have dinner with him because he's the only other lonely boy around. So um, it ends up Mr. M and the new delivery boy, Rudy, are going to have dinner together. Because mm -hmm, Mr. M's like... How would you like? And he lists all of this delicious stuff and like the <laughs> dessert. They're going to have cucumber salad with yogurt. And the guy's just like, that sounds amazing. Yeah, he's drooling. Mm -hmm. So he's like, come well, on, my boy. Clara is in the locker room. She's wrapping the wallet. Jimmy Stewart walks in and he shows Clara a beautiful necklace. And he said, I want to see it on someone. So just try it on. And... She says, is it real diamonds? Um, 
And so one of them says, it's Christmas and I'd like to be friends with you. Um, when I first came, oh, and she's telling Jimmy Stewart, when I first came here, I was looking at you like, you know, you have potential. But then, um, and then in the stock room, you could have swept me off my feet, but you kind of didn't. And so, um, so she says, are you going to go to see your girlfriend? Is it serious? And something about it. it'll happen I don't know he came oh and then she says well you know I was at, at the place but um, he didn't come he didn't show up and he didn't believe well because part of in, help me like out at, here, this, guy. at this point um, because before there was a, for a while there she wasn't coming into work because she was sad because the guy never showed up and then there's a shot it's like oh it's so sad it's at the post office box which the post office box was number 237 which i thought was weird was that the number from the shining was it 237 room 237 <gasps> that's weird i was like that's weird so it's the her hand is in there and it's empty. There's no letter and her face and she's just so sad and she's like laid up in bed and stuff because she's sad. Because women, of course, just you know can't even function if yeah. they think their love life is. And run. at some point, like Jimmy Stewart comes to like talk to her and stuff, and so then they like they're kind of like on better terms now. And then um, she gets a letter and the letter says that he did show up. And the reason that he didn't go in was because he saw her sitting with this guy and he thought that they were an item. And he, because <laughs> you know, there's Jimmy Stewart who wrote the letter. And so he's like, he was such a handsome man. Um, so the guy was like intimidated and stuff. And that's why he didn't. So that's why she like forgave him and they were still like writing letters and then they're going to meet each other. And she's kind of convinced that she's going to get engaged. I was kind of like, oh, that's a little fast. I know. A, a few letters? Come on. Yeah. And then somehow he gets this like girlfriend, too. And they're going to meet. And he's going to get engaged as well. And But you know that like the audience knows that he's talking about her. But she thinks that he's really talking about another woman. And so then in that scene that you're talking about, she has this whole thing about how, um, like, she kind of compares men to dogs in that she would be mean to the dog, and then the and then she thought that the dog would come and lick her. So, you know, basically, like, hard to get. Like, the meaner that she would be, then, like, that would make Jimmy Stewart like her more. But it had the opposite effect. And... So, and that was kind of weird in the movie because I never got the feeling that she liked him ever. No. And then in it the was kind of like, not at all. And then it was kind of just sprung like, oh, from the very first time that I saw you, I kind of couldn't take my eyes off of you and I liked you, but then you were mean to me and then I didn't like you. And I was like, huh, interesting. And so then they, then they're talking and then Jimmy Stewart is, 
I, I don't like well, we know where this is ending up people exactly and it, there's a whole lot of dialogue yeah so they basically and i wrote down what i could now it makes absolutely no sense yeah so they um he ha, what is the re uh, there's some reveal like you know they're together and he says something that, because they start he starts reciting what she is saying was in the letter yeah and then That's she finishes the it. And she's like, oh, and he's like, oh, he stole that from Victor Hugo. And then he knew something that was only in the letter. And then she realizes that it was him. And mm -hmm. she's like, oh, yeah. And then they're like, yeah. And then, oh, and then it's the shop around the corner. Yeah. And there you have it. And, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. So they kissed and it was all done. Yeah. It's a cute little 90-minute movie. Mm -hmm. It is. Now, I was doing some reading on Margaret Sullivan. Which okay, because I have absolutely no trivia on this at all. I have, I have some, which may have tainted my viewing of this somewhat. Oh, you did it before you watched it? I did it before because I was like, Margaret Sullivan, because the name did sound familiar to me, and so I thought that maybe she was like, I got her confused with, I think, the woman who played Tarzan. I mean, Jane. Uh, well, yeah, I got that. Because <laughs> um, she was someone's mom. Like uh, the, Maureen, so, No, Maureen O'Sullivan? Yeah, I think I got her confused. because, okay. And then, so then I'm like, well, who is Margaret Sullivan? I thought that she, you know, because back in those days, they'd have like all these, you know, intertwining branches and stuff. So I saw like, what? She was married to Henry Fonda in the 30s for like 15 what? days. Yeah. And she had and then she was married to William Wyler. And then she was married to somebody else and then she was she was married four times. And then um her kids, the guy that she was had her kids with they when they divorced, he was like oh, uh, the kids all wanted to live with him. And apparently she had, like, uh, she was known for her temper. And it was one of the studio heads. I don't know if it was Louis B. Mayer or somebody. It was one of the studio heads that most people were, like, intimidated by. And apparently she was, like, the intimidator to this guy. Because she got into some argument with somebody over... Um, they didn't want to hire a writer because he had left-leaning views and she just like went off and she was kind of known for like just her temper and going off on people and one time like at a dinner party or something Henry Fonda kind of um was asking for donations for something and she denied and so he said it real loud like oh Margaret O'Sullivan didn't give any money and I don't know if this was before or after they were married for the 15 days but she got up from the dinner walked over and just poured a thing of ice water all on his head and then just went back and sat down and just continued um eating her meal wow yeah like she was known to be um pretty high maintenance and stuff and she preferred the stage to doing films and so when i was looking at her on the screen i was just looking at her i'm like yeah she looks like she could like go off on somebody <laughs> like because i knew that i was just i was like yeah she looked like she got one of the mean faces like that face could turn mean real soon yeah i knew nothing about it and then 
her so she was like pretty devastated when her kids wanted to go live with their father and i'm pretty sure that she had like mental issues herself um and so she took that really hard her kids i don't remember how many kids that she had in total but two of her kids ended up taking their own lives and wow one of them was so she had a daughter named bridget and peter fonda was henry fonda's son right yes so peter had uh, growing up had a huge crush on bridget and after Mm. she took her own life he named his daughter bridget fonda after her i was like oh man so yeah she was um and then like yeah and she she died in 1950 of a barbiturate overdose i don't know if it was accidental or not i don't think people do know so Mm. other trivia yes um it's number 28 on 100 years 100 passions it's in the yeah the afi list you know probably romantic movies the national it's in the national film registry is the culturally significant thing it's got a 100 percent on rotten tomatoes Mm, so does next week's movie nice there was a musical remake starring Judy Garland and Van Johnson called I in, didn't know that in 1949 in the good old summertime. There's a 1963 Broadway musical called She Loves Me and 1998 You've Got Mail. Um it cost under $500,000 to make and was wow. shot in 28 days. Yeah, because it was all shot in the store mm-hmm. or right outside the store. Yep. The the starting time, the shoot time, or the I guess the shoot schedule starting, whatever, was delayed um, so that Sullivan and Stewart would both be available to shoot. And so Lubitsch shot the Nino Chinka in the meantime. Oh, we have to do that. And Lubitsch called this shop around the corner quote the best picture i ever made in my life oh it's a sweet movie he is billy wilder's favorite director well that says something Mm -hmm. and when he died in 1997 he died of a heart attack while making that lady in ermine and it that was finished by otto preminger and at the funeral billy wilder said to william wilder um, I guess I guess no more Lubitsch and w- Billy w- and William Wilder said I guess no more Lubitsch movies, and so Billy Wilder had a sign over his office door that said, "How would Lubitsch do it?" Ooh, and what would Jesus do? What, what would, would Lubitsch, Lubitsch do? do? And um, I didn't know this, so. That thing that that's like a clapboard that you see in movies. Yeah. Um, that's used to if you don't know, that's used to it's they write the scene and the shot and all that stuff. And the clapboard is used to sync the audio and visuals. Because oh, with well, film I didn't know that. 
with film, it's just audio. And so you would record the film and then you record the audio on a separate track. And so to sync your shots, you sync it on that clap. And so on the clapboard, they'll write MOS on the slate when there's no sync sound. So if you just wanted to use like, um, you just wanted to get a picture of a building, you would just use MOS. And so you're not looking through for the sound to sync that up with because you know that doesn't have sound. Mm -hmm. So MOS, they say it came from Lubitsch and it's an ode to like an homage to him because in his thick Berlin accent, he would say, shoot this without sound. Mit out sound. Yeah, and so mit in German is with, so it's yeah. without sound, but it's mit out it. sound, so it's MOS. Mit out sound. Mit next sound. Mit out sound. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. MOS. Um, let me see. I think that's all that I have. Well, we learned so much film. Mm -hmm. with this movie Lubitsch Lubitsch what would Lubitsch do I mean Billy Wilder is amazing so you know that if this is his favorite director yeah yeah oh let me see who directed next week's film well next week's film is one from 1942 1942 Director Mark Sandrich. Mark Sandrich. Mm -hmm. Screenplay by Claude Binion and Elmer Rice. Claude and Elmer Rice. Is it Miracle on 34th Street? It is not. Oh. Hmm. Um, there is music, a music credit. Music credit. There, uh, music composed by uh, Robert E. Dolan and somebody named Irving Berlin. Irving Berlin? That man, didn't he write a bunch of songs? He did indeed. It, is it Holiday Inn? <gasps> Damn you! <laughs> yes. Damn you! You were supposed to say White Christmas. No, because I know the White Christmas originated in Holiday Inn. Come on. Come on. I Who do you think do I am? I was going to do White Christmas because I, I have to watch it every year yes. as I am cooking. But I decided to go with Holiday Inn because I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it. Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire, Marjorie Reynolds. I don't know who Marjorie Reynolds is. I don't either. Hmm. So it's it's got even a, a different storyline. It's not it, it, we're not gonna sing to the general. <laughs> it doesn't have what's his name? Danny K? It doesn't have Dandy Danny K. Dandy Danny K. That's who he did remind me of Danny K. He did. His hair was was the same. And it, yeah, he was a, such a dandy. I'm like this guy. I'm like this guy's having an affair with your wife. And <laughs> like, what do we mean by affair? Because I don't have a lot to worry about. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's probably just fleecing your wife, and that nothing exactly. physical happened with her. 
she's taken he's taken all the money yeah. which is probably all that the wizard of oz cares about too so yes next okay. week 100 to 100 on rotten tomatoes is it on netflix or is it uh I, it is on iTunes, I know. I'll okay. check Netflix to see if it, you know, because it should be with the holiday season, but I don't know. Okay. I just know we can watch it. Excellent. Sounds good. We, we can rent it on Prime Video or iTunes. Okay. If you prefer iTunes. Yes. It's a holiday season. Ho, ho, ho. We hope all of our listeners had a very nice Thanksgiving. Some people had a meal created by a chef. Well, I mean, French trained. And some of us had an abbreviated Thanksgiving at the Bush household. Hey, German trained. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shortcuts were taken this year, but Christmas is coming. Mm. Mm. Okay, we hope you enjoyed our week of Shop Around the Corner. And the Lubitsch Touch. Lubitsch. What would Lubitsch do? What would Lubitsch do? Okay, listeners. Bye-bye.